today on Ag News Daily. It is uh, made of, uh, as I said, the freshwater reed sedge peas, and it also contains chelating agents, trace minerals uh, to help with the overall health. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I am Mike Pearson, co-host of the Ag News Daily Podcast, joined as ever by my co-host, Delaney Howe. Delaney, how you doing? Pretty good, Mike. Sound like you're getting better. I am. I am. I'm healing. I'm recovering. I'm keeping foodstuffs within me, at least until it is their scheduled time to depart. They aren't sneaking out of me any other way, which is a win. So, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I tell you what, allergy season is kicking my butt today. My eyes are so itchy. I just want to, like, scratch them out. Yeah, you shouldn't do that, though. You're going to need those at some point in the future, uh, your eyes. You're going to want to keep them around. I think I want them for most of my future. All right. Well, you know, you don't always get to pick what the, what the future holds. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, hang on to them as long as you can. That's true. A damp rag over your eyes. That's what I used to do when I was a kid. And yeah. I, they always say it helped. I never noticed it, but uh, perhaps it will. Well, if any of our listeners have any, like, home remedies for dealing with allergies, I'm more than happy to take suggestions because I've tried Claritin and Benadryl and Zyrtec and all that stuff helps to some extent, but not a whole lot. You know, the best thing I've heard to kind of take your mind off of itchy eyes uh-huh. is to, or, or itchy eyes caused by allergies, I should say, is to just straight up rub cayenne pepper right oh. on your eyeball. And you completely forget about the slight itchiness caused by allergies. Yeah, you know, I think I'm going to let that one, leave that one up to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass right. on I'm, that. I've heard people swear by it. So, okay. you know, give it a shot if you want. <laughs> oh, well, that's probably enough jibber jabber. We have a good discussion coming up for our hashtag Tech Tuesday discussion a little bit later on today. Mm-hmm. We'll be talking to Twitter professional and also swine hmm. nutrition professional Jim Smith a little bit later on. But... We've got news in the world of ag to cover, Delaney, don't we? We absolutely, absolutely do. Since it's springtime, many folks are hoping to get planters rolling, but I know we're still getting snow. I Gary Rasmussen sent me a, a weather update. looked like maybe they were going to get snow. Folks are, of course, still getting rain. So lots of wet weather. We got crop progress reports out yesterday. And it looks like U.S. corn plantings are 23% complete versus 15% complete a week ago. So a small gain there. 36% is usually, or excuse me, 46% is usually where we are at for this time of year. Soybeans totaled 6%, usually at 14% planted by this point in time. So definitely well behead, well behind where we usually are. Spring wheat was about 22% planted versus 49% on our five-year average. And winter wheat crop looks like it's in pretty good condition. So I think that really they're the ones winning here from all the wet weather. They're enjoying it. It's helping them have a good hardy crop so far. Yeah, but gosh, if that snow is actually forecast, you'd hate to see a a cold front roll down into Kansas mm-hmm. and uh, Oklahoma and you know kill some of that yeah. winter. Hopefully, it won't happen. Hopefully not. But you know, when we're looking at the planting progress numbers, the uh, the two states that kind of jumped out at me, at least on the corn side, are Iowa and Illinois. Iowa's at thirty six percent. Typically, we're at fifty one here yeah. in this state, so we are well behind. And Illinois. They're at 10% completed. Usually by this time of the year, they are at 66%. Mm-hmm. So they are 56% 
behind, 56 points behind where they usually are. I mean, it is going to take some catch up. And I was listening to a reading, a discussion on Twitter earlier that the problem won't be getting our planners rolling. We all talk about the huge equipment that farmers have yeah. today, high-speed planners and everything we can do. The challenge is going to be once this ground gets fit to plant, everybody and their brother is going to be needing inputs. They're going to be wanting mm-hmm. inputs. They're going to be wanting service. All of the ancillary uh, tasks that go along with planting, they're, they're just going to get slammed. And, uh, you know, we've already seen that happen in Iowa where lines for anhydrous just stretch out the door. That keeps planting slow even should we get a dry spell? And I tell you what, it is just going to be frustrating for a lot of growers to get that crop in the ground this year. Yeah, and definitely could change some potential acres for folks that maybe can't get corn in, but are going to turn to getting soybeans in as well. So that's definitely in the back of the minds of folks as as well, I'm sure. Yeah, or just prevent plant mm-hmm. as uh, as we get farther along in the season and these fields stay wet or, or water-covered. Now we could see prevent plant acres continue to grow. And we're working right now to get somebody on who can talk about prevent plants and insurance that you guys should be concerned about at this point in the stage. So working on getting something lined up for that as well. Fantastic. That sounds like a plan. You know what else we're trying to work on getting lined up, Delaney? What's that, Mike? Trade talks with Mm, China. Yes. Uh, Vice Premier Liu He is heading to Washington uh, uh, on Wednesday, tomorrow, actually, to get those trade talks kicked off on Thursday and Friday. This mm-hmm. is sort of their last-ditch effort to avoid those tariffs that President Trump talked about over the weekend on Twitter. Uh, I mean, theoretically, those higher tariffs could take effect on Friday if a deal isn't reached. And Robert Lighthizer said they are ready to put them yeah. into place. And, uh, you know, that shook wall street a little bit today the grain market seemed to be back into our normal now let's see what actually happens before we freak out again kind of mood which is uh, kind of nice to see we'll get to that when we talk markets here in just a little bit yeah they definitely uh had a little bit of recovery after yesterday's losses but yeah hopefully it's not a dead cat bounce but i will tell <laughs> i like that i like that analogy yeah. Yeah, you drop a dead cat far enough, it's going to bounce when it hits the ground. Lady. Oh, gosh. Actually, that's, that's where it comes from. That's that I saying. know. It's it's kind of morbid, but I, I just never it's heard it. It's very morbid. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I, you know, not much of that cat is going to bounce. A lot of it's just going to splat. Mm, okay, that's enough of that. Pick it up with a spatula. Graphic image in my head. Yeah, hopefully everybody's finished lunch. <laughs> hopefully. Mine might be coming back up here if we keep talking about this. <laughs> that's been mine for the better part of the weekend. Oh, so here you go. All right. Well, uh, other things moving and shaking this week in D.C., out in D.C. area. President Trump is meeting with Shinzo Abe again for, what is this, the second or third round of trade discussions now. And, or I'm sorry, they already did speak on Monday, and they are working on scheduling another time for them to meet in person, but really discussed improving agricultural trade. We don't really know what they delved into too much in depth. But another thing I think moving and shaking this week in D.C. is the House this week is scheduled to take up the latest proposed disaster relief package, a $17 billion aid package. And that will go before the House Rules Committee today at 5 p.m., with a handful of amendments going on with that as well. So probably not going to pass anything. And we're still seeing that really uh, 
aid to to Puerto Rico has been kind of a sticking point on that one. Yeah, yeah, it still is, and you know, probably will be for for a little while longer. But gosh, I, yeah, I wish they could just come together and get something passed. You know, as Secretary Nor- Under Secretary Northey was talking about, I mean, USDA just doesn't have the dollars to complete all the programs that are going to be needed unless they get a bill through. So come mm-hmm. on, folks, let's uh, get this done. If you've got a congressperson out there, and you do, everybody does, give them a holler. Um, you know, it might not be you who's needing the emergency funds this year, but uh, eventually catastrophe befalls us all. And, uh, gosh, it'd be great to see the federal government be a little more responsive when that happens. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Speaking of government responsiveness, we had the U.S. Coast Guard officially close the Mississippi River to shipping at St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the closure Twin markers 179 and 184. They say uh, high water levels, fast moving currents, and snowmelt are the reason for this. And there's an interesting note. The director of the American Rivers uh, nonprofit said that preliminary data from the Quad City, so they're in Iowa and Illinois, shows that the flood of 2019 is worse than the Great Flood of 1993, and things are going to get worse because the water, the big bubble of water that is coming out of uh, the Mississippi, Upper Mississippi and Missouri Rivers, is headed toward a section of the Mississippi that they designated one of the most endangered spaces or places on the river in 2019 because of, Delaney, poor flood risk management. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they say uh, levees have been raised in this 200-mile stretch without approval, and that puts people and property at risk during extreme flooding, which is what is on the way. Well, not only that, Mike, I have a little bit of a follow-up piece of news on that. When we look at just water runoff in the upper Missouri River Basin, we're seeing now folks logging or waterlogging the upper Missouri River Basin, totaling 18.7 million acre feet during March and April, which easily breaks the record set back in 1952. April had runoff in the region totaling 7.8 million acres per feet, which is the third largest over 121 years of record keeping, according to the Army Corps of Engineers. So just a lot of runoff coming from the Missouri River Basin as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this flood thing is very, very serious, and it is going to have far-reaching impacts for a lot of people. I know that in Iowa, they are uh, beginning to hold meetings between the state of Iowa and the Army Corps of Engineers. They're talking about doing that in Missouri. The uh, Missouri Farm Bureau has been, excuse me, Farm Service Agency has been holding two days of meetings in northwest Missouri to hear from state and federal agencies that can help with flood relief and recovery. And, uh, you know, we're going to see similar stories coming out of Nebraska and South Dakota. This thing, boy, folks, for those of us who are outside of the Missouri and Mississippi River basins, it's hard to picture exactly what they're going through. But it is it. It is an unmitigated disaster. I mean, that's the only way to describe it. The photos from the air just don't do it justice. Mm-hmm. Keep those folks in your thoughts and prayers. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. Well, Delaney, I tell you what, I'm about out of news. Other than the markets, what else do you have for us today? Yeah, I've got a couple of African swine fever updates here. We've seen two more outbreaks now confirmed and detected in South Africa at the end of April here just last week. Uh, the two further outbreaks were detected in the central province of Gutang, which is home to the city of Johannesburg. And that is one of the biggest hog-producing areas in South Africa, from my understanding. Another piece of African swine fever news is 
coming from Tyson this week. They were quoted in an article here with the Wall Street Journal just yesterday discussing global meat prices. They had their end of Q1 uh, revenue or stocks. What, what's that word I'm looking for? Revenue? Earnings. Earnings. Thank you. Yes. They showed their earnings reported for the first quarter at a 35% increase. So they're still making money. But they said they are preparing for a meat supply shortage here over the next year, especially as we look at next couple of years, really, as we look at rising middle classes, folks wanting access to more protein. They are estimating that the lower that the global meat supply could lower by 5% at a time where we're seeing that protein consumption rise worldwide. They also are saying that not only that, but their pork and chicken processing prices have raised here over the last couple of months because of African swine fever. And they are expecting that then to get, of course, pushed on to the consumer. And they are just really trying to brace for the potential that hopefully doesn't happen, but that African swine fever could also come here into the United States and then put us in complete devastation. Absolutely, folks. You know, I am not a fear monger. I believe that 99% of the time everything works out and we all survive and get better. Um, I don't like to sow fear and discontent. However, Delaney. Yes. Start stockpiling bacon. That time is now. <laughs> I do have some bacon frozen in my fridge at the moment. Good. Everybody go out, get yourself a deep freeze and load up, especially in my mind on pork. The beef industry is going to use your support for the next several years. So definitely continue buying that fresh <laughs> at the store. Keep the box beef value sustained. But the pork industry, man, if China steps in and starts buying or if we have to start shipping to other places that China is buying from because they're mm -hmm. not buying from us for whatever reason, cough, cough, trade war, um, we need to be prepared. Start stocking up now. Buy those 50-pound boxes of bacon, mm -hmm. deep freeze them, and they're going to be good for a long time. Yep, they sure will. I don't think bacon really gets freezer burned, does it? I I don't know. Who cares? It's bacon. You're going to eat it regardless. <laughs> That's probably true. It'll just cook off. I mean, come on. Who cares? You, you throw it on, on some bread with some lettuce and tomato, and you got yourself a BLT, however freezer burned it is. Mm -hmm, true. I know it's true, Delaney. It's how I live my life. I live on the edge. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. Any other news stories for us? No, I think that we should jump over and talk through the markets for today. Let's do it, folks. And our markets are brought to us by our great friends at the Zaner Group. Remember, we're down, we're up, we're all around in this marketing season. So let's get some risk management in place. Do that with our friends from Zaner. You can give them a call at 312-277-0050, or you can visit them on the web at Zaner, Z-A-N-E-R.com, and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. And let's see, we did close in the green across the grain markets today, starting with corn, July contract up two and a quarter cents finished at 366 and a half december new crop up one and a half to finish at 383 and three quarters in the soybean market july up half a cent finished at 830 and three quarters november new crop unchanged on the day at least we're not lower finished the day at 853 even in chicago wheat the july was up two and a quarter cents at 439 and a half the december up a penny finished at 462 and a half jump over 
to the livestock side in live cattle June contract unchanged on the day at one twelve twenty seven fifty. The August up sixty seven and a half cents at one oh nine oh seven and a half. In feeders big gain well, yeah, good sized gains today. The August contract but dollar twenty five finished at one forty five sixty. September up ninety two and a half to finish at one forty six forty seven and a half. And in lean hogs, so we've got oh the only red on the screen today continues to be that sell off in hogs. June down fifty cents at eighty nine twenty with the July down 55 to close at 92.1250. Of course, we can't forget about our friends in the dairy industry. Looking at Class 3 milk, the May contract was down 3 cents at 16.47, while the June was off 4 to close at 16.58. Without further ado, let's talk swine, well, and all animal nutrition with our friend Jim Smith. Well, folks, it is Hashtag Tech Tuesday once again, and joining us on this week's episode, we're pretty excited. We're talking to Mr. – excuse me, Dr. Jim Smith. A lot of you probably know him from Twitter. He's at JimSmith87 on Twitter. And uh, Jim, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Really appreciate uh, you sharing what all you've got going on here in the feeds industry with us. Uh, no problem. I'm looking forward to it. And listeners, the reason we're chatting with Jim today is he is a senior technical swine nutritionist there at Kent Nutrition Products, and he's based out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, but we're not going to hold that against him. He has some very cool stuff they've been developing on the nutrition technology side of things. Jim, bring us up to speed. What have you guys at Kent been working on? Well, for more than the last uh, decade, we've been working with a product called NutriVantage, and NutriVantage is a nutrition optimizer that is made with fresh water reed sedge peat. And our research over the years has shown that we've been able to improve nutrient digestion, growth rate, health, uh, improve mortality, and increase feed intake in both uh, pigs and cattle. So this NutriVantage, Jim, is it some, I, I mean, I assume it's a nutrition, something they intake through feed. Is it a feed supplement itself or a, or a medication? Uh, it is not a medication. It's an all-natural product. It is uh, made of, uh, as I said, the freshwater reed sedge peat, and it also contains chelating agents, trace minerals, uh, to help with the overall health and the, in, the uh, growth of the, of the animals. Now, we have it in a feed product for cattle and swine. We have specific beef and, and dairy products. And we, in the swine and poultry industries, we have a li two forms of liquid that we could use to go through medicators for stressed animals or animals that you, you want to get a, a quicker treatment with the product instead of through the feed. Now, Jim, you work uh, with, with everything, but your background, of course, is in the hog industry. And as a nutritionist, okay, I'm, I'm not a, a nutrition guy. I always just fed whatever my nutritionist told me to feed. So tell us how does NutriVantage work? What what is it that's causing the digestive changes, blah, blah, blah? What's the science? Well, first of all, I wish all my customers were as uh, loyal and followed the directions as well as you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the, the way that, that NutriVantage works is multi, uh, multifaceted. The biggest thing that we see from particularly the pig side is we're able to reduce the effects of stress. And when we treat pigs in the trial and make them pretend that they have a disease, we keep the levels of the stress hormones down. And when we keep the levels of the stress hormones low, 
then that allows the the nutrients to be used for growth instead of being shunted to the immune system and, and trying to fight a disease. So sometimes the, when we stress an animal, they think they're sick and they're really not sick. So for instance, when we wean them, doesn't matter if you've got a calf or a pig, you take them away from mama, that's a stressful event. If we move cattle from, say, a backgrounding operation to a feedlot, that's some stress. So if we can reduce the impact of that, we allow the pig to not be susceptible to any more sickness, and we also allow the animal to get on feed more quickly, which results in more profit for the farmer. Jimmy mentioned kind of ages right there, weaning to maybe pulling them into a confinement building or a new setting. Is there a specific age where NutriVantage works best in the swine industry? Um, we're discovering that we're we're able to get a response to NutriVantage in all phases of production, but where we see the biggest impacts are when we have stressful events, and that's in the weaning pig, pigs that may have had a sickness go through the barn, or when we have heat stress. And some of the most dramatic effects we've had is in the recent uh, years where we are fed pigs that were going through a uh, disease challenge, and we're able to reduce mortality from 40 to 50%. And so we, if we can reduce the impact of a disease outbreak, that, that gives us more pigs that the farmer can use. And when we talk about heat stress, in cattle, we get some of those hot summers in uh, southeast Can- or southwest Kansas or the Panhandle in Nebraska, we're able to Im- improve dry matter intake by 10%. So if we get more feed into those cattle that are heat stress, we're going to maintain some of those feed efficiencies and gain when we usually have some depression and gain. Interesting. So effectively what you're doing is you're using a, a nutrition supplement to hack the uh, the body's natural responses to the environment and then make it eat a little better. You got it. Fascinating. Now, you mentioned you've been working with this product for about 10 years. What has changed with NutriVantage over that time period? What's changed mostly is our understanding of how it works. The first time... We used it. It was like most ingredients. We fed some of it, and it kind of didn't work. And then we fed it again, and it, then it worked. And then we started looking into it. Uh, one of the bigger trials we did was with, uh, in, in conjunction with Iowa State University and the USDA uh, Research Center at, at Ames, where we, we sacrificed a, a lot of pigs and we pulled a lot of blood. And that was a trial where they gave us the first insight that this feed ingredient is doing more than just doing something inside the gut of the pig because, face it, from the nutritionist standpoint, we usually don't have much of an effect on anything that's outside of the intestines. But this product, we were able to see reductions in cortisol. We were able to see improved uh, levels of circulating glucose. So those are all parameters that help a pig stay healthier, react to stress, whether it's a disease or environmental stress and maintain their growth. So I think that's all the science I'm going to throw. Okay? <laughs> uh, Jim, as you look at the, the science behind this product, you mentioned environmental stresses, disease stresses. Are there any other stresses that you think you might have to change NutriVantage or try and incorporate another added stress that may be coming down the pipeline? That's a good question, Delaney. Um, <laughs> and we've just kind of talked about stress in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of times the stress is different be- de- depending on the operation. I mean, we could have just handling stress, moving cattle from pen to pen, or 
you might have a pig operation with the way that they move pigs around their barn. That might cause some stress. Um, one thing that we haven't explored that is intriguing to us is can we reduce uh, dead on arrivals on some stressful hauling of livestock to market? Um, so we've got a lot of ideas of where we, we might have an impact. It just gets back down to whether it's an economic impact that, that our producers should invest in, in Nutrivantage. Jim, I'm stressed. Can I get some advantage from a Nutrivantage? <laughs> probably. Um <laughs> We could probably make a lot more money so to humans, but that'd be a lot more <laughs> headaches, I'm sure. <laughs> Jim, you mentioned economic impacts there. I just quickly Googled um, while we were while we've been chatting on the phone here an article called "Use of Nutrivantage Technology in Reproductive Swine," and it looks like there's really a good synopsis here of the economic benefits that producers can get, specifically in that pre-wean mortality um, and, and sow health. Can you walk us through just some of the economic benefits that you have seen from a cost perspective for producers? In that, the trial that you happened to find, that was in heat stress styles. Okay. And that was a large trial. And the objective of that evaluation was to see if we saw the reduction in stress with the use of Nutrivantage. And this is one of the first trials we did. I think that was 10, 8, 10 years ago. And what we saw on that was that we saw a reduction in pre-wean mortality. So for a small investment in the Nutrivantage, and I can't remember what the cost is in that trial, we were getting upwards of half a pig more weaned. In the more recent work that we did in the nursery, we were able to get a pig out of the nursery at 42 days that weighed a pound and a half more than the non-treated pigs. So if you get a pig that's a pound and a half heavier, that equates to a pig that either leaves the barn earlier as a market hog or is heavier when you uh, when you sell them. Um, the other economic impact is on the reduction in uh, mortality and if if we can if we can get more pigs out the door that's going to save us more mo- or get us more money especially mm-hmm. when we're talking about crazy high pig prices that we have now. Do you see Nutrivantage since it does help reduce stress or maybe some of those stress factors do you see it helping as well with maybe using less antibiotics or medication in the animals? In So I'm a nutritionist, not a veterinarian, right. so I won't pretend to be one. But if anything that we can do to reduce stress should allow us to be more judicious or have less reliance on some antibiotics, uh, conversely, it might also help us potentiate the way some of those antibiotics can work. So in theory, if we reduce the stress effects of the disease, then the antibiotic or the vaccine might have a better chance to work inside the animal. And that's pure theory. But given the way that Nutrivantage has has worked, anything that we can do to help that animal with with reducing stress should help with the overall health and reduce reliance on antibiotics. Absolutely. And in today's environment where consumers are increasingly concerned about antibiotic or just medication use amongst livestock in general, uh, there definitely seems to be some opportunities here, Jim. Yes. And one of the more exciting areas that we've stumbled upon is the use of Nutrivantage in in water medication at weaning for the first five to seven days. And that investment's going to be less than a dime per pig. And in the stressed pigs that were in the active disease challenge, we've reduced 
mortality by 40%. So for a dime investment in pigs, on a group of 1,000 pigs, we're getting back like $2,100 because we're saving more pigs that can go out of the nursery. Jeez, that is that is pretty pretty incredible stuff. Now, you mentioned you've got the, the, the water-soluble, you've got the feed additive itself. How are most of your customers choosing to acquire NutriVantage? They're just, is it bagged? Is it bulk? Is it uh, cans? What are we talking? In the, in the uh, beef and dairy, it would be called, uh, we, we would use NutriVantage beef and NutriVantage dairy, and those are, are dry products that come in bag form. We also have NutriVantage swine that would go into the feed. That's bag form. And then we have the two liquid products that we use in pigs. is called NutriVantage Hydra. And we also have the NutriVantage combined with electrolytes for those producers that choose to use an electrolyte. So we put those together to make a more convenient product. That product is called NutriVantage Hydra Electra. Gotcha. A a two-pound pouch or a a two-pound pail, and you use that at two pounds per or two ounces per gallon of water for a stock solution. All right, Jim. If any of our listeners are currently running livestock, they're they're running some hogs, they're running some cattle, got a dairy operation, they're concerned about stress. Where should they go to get some more information about NutriVantage? Our our website for NutriVantage is kngland.com forward slash NutriVantage. Perfect. Folks, check that out. It is a great tool to have on your operation, and it might just help, as Jim's mentioned, improve uh, improve mortality, reduce some stress, just make everybody a little bit happier. Jim, you're getting out on the road today. We're seeing a lot of volatility in the hog market. You work with a lot of producers. i got to ask you before we let you go, what's the overall sentiment amongst your customers in the hog industry today? You know, Mike, the customers' attitudes, I think, are pretty well split. Overall, everybody is really happy selling pigs. I think there's a, there's a lot of farmers that sold hogs at 85 or 87 or 90 when they're jumping up and with their big uh, uh, drive up to a dollar, dollar three, that were lamenting that they didn't sell at a dollar, but they're happy they sold at a profit. So I think the attitude is we're going to take the profit. I think there's it's split half and half with my customers that half of them are optimistic this is going to go we're going to be happy we're not going to get asf the other one is i'm going to make as much money as i can because swine fever is going to come here and when that happens we're going to be in trouble yeah stressful stressful time to be in the industry with that looming over Mm -hmm. the shoulder potentially yeah and that was before we had the actions this weekend right right right. (laughs) saw limit down day that always uh spoils some moods i would imagine for some producers Well, we will let you get back out on the road, get working with producers Jim Smith from Kent Nutrition. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. You're welcome, Mike and Delaney. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, again, that was Jim Smith. You can follow along with him on Twitter. I know he listens to the Ag News Daily Podcast. You can listen to it on any podcast directory as well as our home, globalagnetwork.com slash agnewsdaily. And, Mike, if they want to interact with us on social media, maybe give me their allergen prescription recommendations. Where can yes. they do that? 
they should hop on to Facebook and or Twitter and just search for Ag News Daily. We'll pop up in both places. And yet Delaney really needs your help. She's mm. not going to do my cayenne pepper solution, no, so she I'm needs not. maybe something different. And uh, get on there, holler at her, and we'd love to hear from you listeners. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go. 